Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. God's plan for mankind is a masterpiece of creative design. The holy days that members of the Philadelphia Church of God observe every single year picture successive steps in this plan for man. These holy days have so many spiritual parallels. They are simple and easy to understand. And God revealed the meaning of these holy days through one man in this end time. The late theologian and educator Herbert W. Armstrong wrote a booklet titled Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which? You see, we have to pick one or the other. We either keep holidays invented by human beings that are actually a form of pagan worship or we choose holy days creatively, marvelously designed by God. Holy days that illuminate our eternal future. The Day of Atonement comes in the middle of the fall holy day season every single year. It's the 10th day of the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar. And this Day of Atonement is a day of divine justice. Leviticus 23 contains the command for atonement to be kept by God's loyal people forever. Look, Leviticus 23, starting in verses 26 and 27. And the eternal spoke unto Moses saying, also on the 10th day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the eternal. Then verses 31 and 32, you shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest and you shall afflict your souls. In the ninth day of the month at even, from even unto even, shall you celebrate your Sabbath. A lot of information here about the Day of Atonement and how to keep it right. It is a holy Sabbath day. So in addition to the weekly Sabbath, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, we have these annual holy days. And they are also kept from sunset to sunset. We do not work or go about our regular activities on these holy days. We give an offering to God, as it says here. And we afflict our souls. So that means no food or drink from sunset to sunset. Obviously, the element of fasting makes this holy day very different from all the others. It's the only day that we fast all together as one 
as commanded in the Bible. There may be other church-wide fasts, but this is the only one that we observe on the same day every year on a holy day. Now, I mentioned Mr. Armstrong wrote that booklet, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which it's available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. And on page 45, Mr. Armstrong writes, the Day of Atonement pictures a wonderful and great event to take place after the second coming of Christ. And that's what's so beautiful about these holy days. It puts everything in a specific time frame. These holy days every year picture events that have already taken place or events that are currently taking place or will take place in the future. Past, present, and future events involving God's plan of salvation for all mankind. The Day of Atonement pictures something that has not happened yet, but it will very soon. Leviticus chapter 16 gives us a lot of crucial details about atonement. And this day really in ancient Israel had some quite strange activities. And maybe, maybe it can be confusing to try to read through this and understand it on your own. God has to reveal what all this means. And like I said, he did that through Mr. Armstrong. Leviticus chapter 16, right after the high priest made a sin offering for himself and his house. Leviticus 16 verses 7 and 8. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the eternal at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the eternal and the other lot for the Azazel, as it should say. That word scapegoat is incredibly misleading when you really understand what atonement is about. <laughs> the the evil being, this so-called scapegoat pictures, is anything but a scapegoat. And we'll get into that as well. Mr. Armstrong explains in detail, it's the Hebrew word Azazel. And that's actually referring to Satan the devil in this ancient Israel ceremony, the Azazel goat represented Satan. And then there was another goat representing Christ. So a huge thing here in Leviticus 16 and verse eight is the concept of casting lots. Mr. Armstrong writes about this on page 47. Notice it was necessary to be decided by lot, which one was qualified to represent Christ and which Azazel. And then he says, men were unable to decide which goat was qualified to represent Christ. This involved an appeal to God to decide. Humanly, we are too blind spiritually to discern between Christ and Satan. In ancient Israel, 
these two goats looked identical, it would be impossible to tell which one should represent Christ and which one should represent the devil. And so they cast lots. As Mr. Armstrong writes, a lot is a solemn appeal to God to decide a doubtful matter. It is a sacred religious ceremony. It included a supernatural act of God. The only way to tell Christ and Satan apart is to look to God. God has to show this to us. Here on page 47 of Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which Mr. Armstrong writes, Now the goat which God selected through Lot to represent Christ was slain. As Christ, its antitype was slain. But the other goat selected by God to represent Azazel was not slain, but was driven alive into an uninhabited wilderness. Two very different outcomes for these two goats. You can see that there in Leviticus 16 verses 9 and 10. The high priest slaughtered one of the goats as a sin offering. The other goat was sent away, was banished. This is exactly what has happened to Jesus Christ already. His loving sacrifice to pay the penalty of our sins. And also, it shows us what will happen to the devil after Jesus Christ returns. And you can see all the way through these rituals of atonement anciently, how it all happens in a specific order. Again, on page 47, basically here, just talking about Azazel again, the goat that was banished into the wilderness. Mr. Armstrong writes, it was not a resurrected goat symbolizing the resurrected Christ for it never died. The uninhabited wilderness to which this goat was driven cannot represent heaven where Christ went. Heaven is neither uninhabited nor a wilderness. Here, Mr. Armstrong is just addressing some confusion about atonement. Human beings trying to interpret the Bible for themselves without God's revelation. It's so confusing to try to figure this out on our own. We can't figure out what these goats really symbolize unless God shows it to us. The one goat represents Christ being slain for our sins the other one represents the devil being banished. It is not another version of Christ being resurrected. Why would Christ need to be resurrected and banished to the wilderness? That's not what took place after Christ died. He returned to the right hand of God in the throne room. And he lives to intercede for us today. Christ lives today as our high priest. He is not banished into the wilderness. Therefore, 
this Azazel goat cannot represent Jesus Christ being resurrected. Page 48, Mr. Armstrong writes, the sins of the people were born by the goat, even as Christ finally, once for all, bore our sins on the cross. But Christ rose again from the dead and ascended to the throne of God in heaven. So, that dead goat represents Christ dying for us. That dead goat is the dead Christ. But if the symbolism ended there, wouldn't that mean that Christ is dead today? Where is the resurrected Christ represented in this ancient atonement ceremony? Here, page 48 of Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which Mr. Armstrong writes, the earthly type of God's throne was the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. After Christ died, he went to the heavenly mercy seat, interceding for us as our high priest. And he quotes here Hebrews 6 verses 19 and 20 where it says that Christ was made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In this ancient atonement ceremony, the human high priest went inside the veil of the Holy of Holies, representing God's throne in heaven. And this human high priest going inside the veil represented the resurrected Jesus Christ. Page 49 says the slain Christ was not our high priest because the Levitical priesthood with its high priest did not end until Christ rose from the dead and ascended to heaven as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. But the risen Christ was high priest. Now, who took this part in the Levitical ceremonies temporarily reenacted year by year on this eternal holy day? Why, so obviously a child could see it was the Levitical high priest, not the goat representing Azazel. Every part of the ancient atonement ceremony has a parallel that God has shown us. He opens the understanding for his loyal people. So Le Leviticus 16 verses 15 and 16. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. The high priest presented the blood of the slain goat inside the Holy of Holies, behind the veil. Page 49, Mr. Armstrong writes, 
It was the high priest taking blood within the veil to the mercy seat that typified the risen Christ figuratively taking his blood once for all within the veil to the very throne of God in heaven, there to intercede for us as high priests. You have these types here on atonement anciently, a slain goat representing the dead Christ, the Levitical high priest representing the risen Christ. Christ is not forever dead. He was resurrected after three days in the grave, just as God promised would happen. And Christ today lives as our high priest. Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. He set the example for how to overcome sin. He gives us the power by his Holy Spirit to help us overcome sin and follow his example. And Christ really does go between us and God the Father, giving us direct access to the Father in our prayers. And Christ explains our position to the Father because Christ went through it all as a human being. He can relate to every situation we face. He knows our weakness and why we have sinned and how to help us break out of that sin. And Christ is able to persuade God the Father to have mercy as he judges us. Christ is our high priest, presenting our prayers to God the Father. Christ died and was resurrected, pictured by the dead goat and the Levitical high priest on the Day of Atonement. Now notice here, further down in Leviticus 16, verse 20, And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Verse 21, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And it goes on to explain how the high priest and the fit man, after coming into contact with the Azazel, the type of Satan, the devil, but they both had to wash themselves and cleanse themselves from that contact with a type of Satan. Atonement is a day of justice, as Mr. Armstrong explains here on page 50 of Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which is there justice with God? Is not God a God of justice as well as of compassion and mercy? Who is the real author of our sins? The devil is the author of them, even as Christ is the author of our salvation. Jesus took our guilt, our blame, our sins upon himself as an innocent substitutionary sacrifice. He was an innocent victim. He loved us and was willing to die for us. Our guilt, our sins were borne by him and him alone. 
And God forgives them when we repent and accept his sacrifice. And yet, is this, if we stop there, full justice? Just think about that statement. Is Christ dying for our sins justice when he didn't even deserve it? Who really deserves to be punished for causing all of our sins? Mr. Armstrong continues on page 51. The real cause, the actual author of those sins was Satan the devil. Is it justice for Christ to bear guilt that is not his while the devil goes off scot-free? Do you not suppose God's great plan will finally work full justice by placing that original blame and guilt right back where it belongs? Mr. Armstrong goes on to differentiate where Christ bore our human guilt, the guilt that we deserve for the sins that we chose to commit. We all had a choice and we have all sinned. Christ bears that guilt for us. But the devil bears his own guilt. The devil will have to take responsibility for his own guiltiness in causing us to sin. Page 51, the Azazel goat carries away the sins of all the people already forgiven. You see, Christ has already paid the penalty for our sins. But the blame that the devil deserves will finally be placed on his head when the day of atonement is fulfilled after Jesus Christ's return. Satan, the devil, will finally be punished for his part to play in all the sins that we humans have committed. So you have all these spectacular types on the ancient atonement ceremony. The dead goat is the dead Christ the high priest entering the Holy of Holies and going to the mercy seat is the resurrected Christ working on our behalf today. And then you have the live goat, Satan, the devil finally being punished for making human beings suffer for 6,000 years. We can just look at revelation 20, which pictures this day of atonement being fulfilled. Revelation 20, starting in verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. The devil will be bound and thrown away into the wilderness, banished into the bottomless pit, 
just as was pictured on the Day of Atonement anciently. What a joyous day this will be when it is finally fulfilled and the devil is put away for a thousand years. Then he'll have one last chance to rampage and then he'll be locked up again forever. That is the glorious symbolism of the Holy Day of Atonement. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.